1: Richard Sarants Strange Planet. Following the truth wherever it leads. Exposing evil and corruption and the secret machinations of powerful elites. Revealing the high strangeness beneath the surface of our supposed reality. Coming to you from the Great White North and his studio beneath the stairs. Here's Richard.
2: Welcome once again to Strange Planet. And on this episode, a new documentary on the secret nature of reality. It's going to be premiering at the 7th Annual Midwest Weird Fest. It's a feature-length film. It's called Code 12, directed and presented by my guest, Melissa Tittle. She is the star and host of the popular TV series UFO Witness, former head of content and development at the Gaia Network, and an established journalist, producer, and documentarian the film festival takes place at the micon cinemas in downtown eau claire wisconsin from march third to the fifth and it's a great pleasure to welcome melissa tittle to strange planet how are you
0: good thank you for having me
2: my pleasure first of all i have to say the documentary just it's beautifully beautifully shot in the locations it's uh, very exotic looking and so you know kudos to you it's a it's a beautiful beautiful film to look at
0: Oh, thank you. Uh, you know, finding those locations and, uh, you know, filming at, like, certain times of the day was, was, uh, was uh, challenging. But, you know, I just had this look. Like, I wanted it to be, to have this uh, look of, like, Indiana Jones with the dust coming up and the, uh, you know, fast cars and motorcycles and all that kind of stuff.
2: But no snakes. <laughs>
0: I no <hate> snakes. <laughs> snakes. <laughs> I don't necessarily like snakes, but I'm not the same. I don't have the same fear as Indiana Jones with snakes. <laughs>
2: All right. The, uh, the, the the film begins with a dream, a recurring dream you've had since like childhood, right?
0: Mm-hmm. What happened? Uh, you know, it, you know, the thing is when people say they've had reoccurring dreams, it's usually something terrifying. They, they had some kind of nightmare type of thing. But this was just something weird that I would always envision. Uh, And it got to the point where I, I had it so many times that I could count the amount of um, circles. It was it was it was I was in the center of these, these consistent circles that were happening. Um, And um, as I got into my journalistic career, and I was producing all sorts of shows, I was always looking for like, well, what, what is this? dream that I'm having is there anything that I can glean from any of the the books I'm reading the people I'm uh you know researching or interviewing and um I felt that and I feel this about a lot of people uh that they have some they have some message they have some dream or they have something that happens in their life and they keep wondering and they keep they keep uh, spinning around their head and you know I guess I'm no different and this was this was mine and it led me on this journey to figure out not only what that was and why the universe is speaking to me about it but but what it means for everyone else.
2: Right so these are concentric circles uh, which as it turns out have a, a pretty consistent, well, there's a pattern there. I mean, the movie's about, the film is about patterns, pattern recognition. These concentric rings have a connection to ancient sites. But you were directed to
0: Maria Wheatley,
2: <clears throat> excuse me, who I've, I think I've spoken to her a number of times. Uh, she's known for her work on Stonehenge. What led you to re- reach out to Maria Wheatley, first of all?
0: Well, I've known Maria for a long time. I love her work. I think a lot of the work that she does doesn't make it on TV. Um, you know, I've produced the first, first five seasons of Ancient Aliens. I've been in this world for a long time, um, and my most fascinating conversations with Maria are off camera. It's just that they never make it to these mainstream shows. And I and I looked at. I found this book. Um, really old book. I don't even know how it came across my desk. It was a book from like I, uh, I don't know, late fifties or something. It was like patterns and uh is literally called just patterns, <laughs> and it was like this dusty cover. There's nothing on the top. It was a hard covered book. I again, I have no idea how it made it my desk, and and it showed all of these concentric circles around these ancient stone uh, stone circles, not just Stonehenge, but other ones across the world that they've discovered. And the author went on and on about how, like how they propagate and move, and and I thought, oh, this is just this is up Maria Wheatley's alley. I mean, this is what she talks about. So I called her and we talked about it in depth. And um, I said, I think that this is part of a really large network. I don't think that it's it's just one site, or I think they're all connected somehow. And she, um, this isn't in the documentary, but she, she kind of, she's like, oh, okay, you know, well, let me know. She's like, I'll call you in a bit and, and see if I see anything that that or find anything in my research that that uh, coincides with what you're trying to say. And then she did. She called me back and she said, I think you're onto something. I think that that this is um, all of these sites have this this uh, this pattern, and that's how they connect to each other
2: stonehenge uh the pyramids can you give me some other examples or give my listeners some other examples where these concentric rings um not only just the rings but they're connected by 12 different lines i think through the uh, almost like a web where does this right. kind of repeat aside from the pyramids and and uh, stonehenge
0: <laughs> well uh uh anchorwad uh, some native american sites um Um, places in Peru, uh, Mexico, um, obviously ancient Egypt, there's some other sites, there's some islands, the Canary Islands, uh, Azores, um, uh, Romania, I mean, like it's everywhere. So, so the thing, the thing that what I uncovered is that it's just not that physically, these patterns are emerging on earth and, and these places where these uh, ancient temples and stone circles have kind of hit points on these, on these nodes that cause that kind of control the, these uh, concentric circles is what Marie and I were talking about is that I started to see this pattern everywhere in, in spirituality and religious texts and ancient texts in carvings all over all over the world. Um, and and people would, you know, they'd be like, oh, yeah, and there's this circle thing, you know, over here. But, but I started to be like, okay, wait, why are these ancient people marking this all over the world um, in all different cultures, in all different uh, religious spiritual texts uh, and ancient texts? And what's the point? So that just led me further on the journey of, of there's got to be something else besides, okay, maybe... There's some kind of, they're they're emanating some kind of frequency and that's how they're connected. But to take that further, why is everybody putting them in everything? What is the point? And so that gets me deeper into wait, maybe what I've tapped on is some kind of universal understanding of our place in the universe.
2: All right. And we'll uh, get deeper into this journey when we come back. Melissa Tittle stays with us as we discuss code 12 which again is premiering at the seventh annual midwest weird fest i love the name of that uh, festival the midwest (laughs) weird fest that's happening march 3rd to the 5th we'll give you details in a moment stay with us protect your dream home with american family insurance
1: The truth will set you free free, 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 but first, it will really tick you off. Welcome back to Richard Serrett's Strange Planet.
2: Melissa Tittle, you'll know her from her work as um, Head of Content and Development at the Gaia Network, and uh, also her work producing uh, Ancient Aliens, star and host of the popular TV series UFO Witness, and uh, her film... Code 12, again, premiering 7th Annual Midwest Weird Fest, and that is happening at the uh, Micon Cinemas in downtown Eau Claire, Wisconsin, from March 3rd to the 5th of 2023, the culmination of 10 years' worth of uh, research. So I don't want to give, obviously, you don't want to give too much away here. We want people to see the film, and you'll tell us how we can see it if we don't get down to Eau Claire. Um, Mm -hmm. What what conclusions did you, uh, or can you hint at at least, what energy might be responsible energy source for providing or p- for producing these. I think they, uh, I think Maria referred to them as halo patterns.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, um, that's a complicated answer, but uh, of course, you know, as you said, I want people to see the film. There's uh, natural forms of this uh, on the planet and um Again, back to the conversation of uh, obviously ancient people built these uh, temples or stone circles to to kind of maximize the uh, energy coming from these natural points on Earth. But, um, But it's not just the concentric circles. The concentric circles are part of a much bigger possible situation happening on this planet. Uh, and this is something that has been, di- this concept that I'm about to tell you is something that's been depicted in, you know, the idea of the matrix, simulated universe, um, uh, the idea that something has created our current situation, and uh, we're kind of stuck here, this kind of concept, this this is an ancient concept, there's lots of people that go back and they talk about the Anunnaki, they talk about Uh, different gods and goddesses controlling the whereabouts of humans and all that kind of stuff what uh the reason why it's called code 12 is that what i discovered kind of going off of this okay maybe there's this idea of these of these uh temples and pyramids and all that kind of stuff connected um but how and if they were besides the idea of connecting things by frequency which is pretty general right that doesn't really tell us how they worked or how how it worked there would have to be some kind of network and if there was some kind of network how did it work and that just led on the path of this idea that that if there was this network who controlled it and is it still working today and and not to give away some parts of the film but I discovered two codes in most of these temples. Uh, a lot of people have watched the Da Vinci Code, um, and and that plays a part in a lot of these ancient mysteries. Talking about the Da Vinci Code, uh, talking about uh, pi and phi, and how all these temples are aligned to that, and and that is true, which is very fascinating. Of course, we don't really necessarily have an answer for why that is, but but um, but the but the other thing is in the te- in these temples there is another code that was originally, the original building structure and and the way that it was designed has another code on top of this, this other one that a lot of us know about that are especially into ancient mysteries. Uh, and, and I I started to question, well, why are there necessarily two forms of information unless one came previously and then someone came in and reprogrammed uh, all these temples and pyramids and locations so that they could create or they could control the nodes of, of the planet. And of course, that sounds a little uh, crazy, but but this documentary really reveals on a uh, scientific level how not only could we be living in a simulated universe, but there could possibly be a way out.
2: Um, the these nodes as you call them and these series this this system or network of ancient monuments or locations that contain these halo patterns um i mean is it too much of a stretch to call it almost like a radio network in other words were they in communication were they transmitting to one another
0: i mean that is the theory um Again, how that works specifically, we're not sure. But um, if you go into the hundredth monkey uh, research, uh, there's a you know really old book. A lot of people refer to it when they were talking about consciousness. Um, there's there's this kind of invisible field that that this research discovers. Uh, studying monkeys in a small island in Japan, and there's mainline mainland monkeys. And and they noticed that somehow <clears throat> the understanding of of uh, of of these monkeys on the island knowing how to 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 uh, to eat a sweet potato somehow transferred in consciousness to the mainland of Japan. <clears throat> so that wasn't because one monkey went over there on a boat and told everybody how to m- eat this sweet potato. <laughs> now, you're probably thinking why are we talking about monkeys in Japan and sweet potatoes right now? It's it's important because I think when people start to talk about how how could like how do these temples transfer energy and there's no radio tower or anything like that. We're we're really thinking on a on a concept level of a morphogenic field that uh, is, is, information is put into that field and people pick it up and all of a sudden it becomes their zeitgeist. So if we go back to this this famous research study uh, where they were just focusing on one thing that was happening on one island with monkeys and then somehow transferred to the mainland, they prove that there's some kind of morphogenic field that these these animals, these monkeys are, are somehow transferring information and it just gets picked up by uh by these by these monkeys in the mainland so how does that transfer to humans if if humans or non-humans right that's open for discussion created these temples and monuments to control these nodes in the planet that had lots of energy coming from them and they programmed those temples and pyramids and structures and stone circles to have certain information <clears throat> The idea is that they would start to control that morphogenic field, which is part of what we pick up in our consciousness and how we uh, understand things and pick up thoughts and ideas um, as humans. And uh, it really feeds into the whole idea of there's no such thing as original thought because, you know came from somewhere type of idea.
2: <laughs> right, I mean, I, I speak with inventors. Uh, I love in interviewing inventors. And one of the things that comes up again and again is they always say, first you invented it in the dream world and then you mm-hmm. invent it in reality. Tesla said the same thing. Uh, so I guess that's what they're tapping into the morphic field or some some may call it, what, the Akashic Record, same thing?
0: Well, the Akashic Records um, is, is kind of the concept of that, that, you, that you are eternal and therefore everything that you have done and that you will do and that you'll do in some other life and that you've done in some other life is all recorded in some kind of record keeping um, uh, number system and that you can tap into it, uh, you know, tap into different timelines, if you will. But uh, that's not necessarily the same, but it is in the concept of like we're on the planet and there is a morphogenic field that humans connect to not the same ones as monkeys but there is a connection there and we can put things in that field and we can grab them you know it's it's really interesting that we are as a society debating how this new revolution of ai is about to come out with the chat gpt uh and all the other organizations scrambling to make one even better um you know, if you think about it, that AI program just grabbed things from our field that we created in the digital world of all of us talking. It then was able to create a understanding of how humans talk. So everything that is on this planet in some form operating in our system is connected in some kind of morphogenic field.
2: Melissa, sit tight. We'll come back and uh, discuss further.
1: It's time to redefine reality. reality. This is Richard Serrett's Strange Planet.
2: And we are back with Melissa Tittle, and the film is Code 12. Again, that is premiering at the uh, 7th Annual Midwest Weird Fest. That's at the Mycon Cinemas in Eau Claire, Wisconsin, March 3rd to the 5th. If we're not in Eau Claire, uh, Melissa, how are we going get, to get to watch Code 12?
0: Well, uh, it's a brand new film, so it hasn't been released yet on a network, but hopefully that'll be soon. Um, if you do not get to Eau Claire, you can go to, uh, Roswell, New Mexico the following weekend, which is March, uh, 11th. Uh, and they will be, there's a film festival there called, uh, uh, UFO Expo, and they will also be playing the film. And then you'll just have to stay tuned for what network picks it up.
2: All right. The, um. The subtitle or the log line or what have you uh, of the film, Code 12, Atlantis left a code behind. Do you want to just tease us a little bit with what Atlantis might have to do with all of this?
0: Oh, good old Atlantis. We always go back to this part where we think everything was perfect. <laughs> um, so Atlantis is this this understanding that there was an ancient civilization of uh, humans, non-humans, beings that were enlightened that existed way before the time that we really understand uh, where we are now as a human species. And, um, you know, some people say that was 10,000 years ago or 20,000 years ago or 200,000 years ago. But the thing is, what Atlantis represents to me is something way before us was way, way advanced, no matter how many years ago it was. And it lived on the, and those people, lived on this planet and and had some kind of uh civilization so in all of these places that we talk about in the documentary um and there's so many more but this was the main ones that that kind of unraveled this code <clears throat> they have remnants of something more ancient and atlantis uh the the story goes the myth, if you will, that um, somehow some groups of people within Atlantis decided to be too greedy and and misuse the power that they had, some kind of technology, and it crumbled and fell to the ground or Zeus blew it up or, or whatever. Um, and then that kind of left us putting all the pieces together. So Atlantis is part of this because what they knew is left behind in all of these temples and structures. This, this, this code that we talk about in the film is not of the last 10,000 years, it's something much older. And it got passed down to some of these priesthoods and priestesses and uh, structures and concepts and spirituality uh, and religion. But it it just wasn't really understood. It's buried beneath all the words and texts and symbols all over the place, because ancient people passed that on, and and it got kind of muddled and it just kind of kind of lost in the sauce. But um, that's why Atlantis is part of this because whatever was before what we have right now knew. How it works, how the structure works, and how to get out of it and come back and forth from it. And right now, we're operating in this is what this is what the documentary talks about. We are operating in a in a lower understanding of our human potential, and we're kind of locked in a system, a system that just keeps continually going uh, in an, an infinity uh, structure. Like we're never, we just never get out of it you know, you see it all the time. You know, if you just go into news, you just think about like, okay, well, back in the 60s, everybody was like, that's it. You know, make love, not war. We don't want to do this anymore. And then you have the new people today being like, everything's so horrible. We need to change everything. But it's just, it keeps recycling. There's no new actual structures and thoughts being being uh, being formed. They're in st- stuck in the system. And what Atlantis or whatever they were called or whatever they were had a different kind of structure and a different understanding and and there was a way to expand where i feel right now the way we live we that is not that's not the case because we're kind of stuck into something else
2: so this is the hindu wheel of life and Code 12 is our ticket to escape the hindu wheel of life
0: yes yes the we are taught that um if you believe in uh you believe in karma you believe in uh, um life after death you believe that you live many lives you believe this is it uh that's all a set structure around uh, death, but but the if you really, really read all of the spiritual ancient texts and, and I'm talking about all of them, not just some, all of them, they're really talking about buried beneath their rhetoric, uh, eternity that that um, understanding the gods and the goddesses or God or whatever you want to call it is about understanding your human potential that you are eternal and that death doesn't really exist for your existence. It's just a confine that we have created within our structure.
2: Do we have free will in this
0: matrix? Um, well, we are programmed to think that we do. Um, but unless you're aware of of how it works, uh, your idea of free will is just programmed.
2: So it's the illusion of free will.
0: It's the illusion of free will, just like it's the illusion of uh, freedom, or it's uh, the illusion of democracy. Right? Right. They're all sort of uh, illusions within structures that makes make us feel like we have choices, but unless we know how it really works, and and how the how the universe actually uh, expands and creates itself, we are just. Uh, program to make those decisions. That's why there's so many things out there called uh, like game theory right where you it's it's there's so many probabilities based on the based on the decision making of the structures or the emotions right um, And that makes things more predictable but if you're if you're operating outside those lines, then one you're not predictable and two you're not controlled.
2: So is this simulation? Of this matrix is it like i mean can we take that that video game analogy uh to the next level i mean are there um if my 16 year old boys were here they would they would give me the proper uh, uh verbiage here but uh, you know they play something called um it's just they play the game uh, or they can also play with other friends mm-hmm. uh, are there other beings let's say that can participate in this this virtual video game just for kicks maybe
0: that's a really good question um i as you as you've introduced me like i've i've done a lot of alien stuff and i always tell people uh when i get interviewed there's they say okay well are you in this because you had an experience? And I said, no, I think the alien conversation is a human potential conversation. Because if we figure out something <clears throat> is not human, what does that make us? Now, when people, when I interview people about their experiences or their abduction or the all all of that, the one thing that comes across is fear because we don't know how they operate. How can they come in between walls and and things and, you know, how can they control time and, and, and paralyze people and humans and somehow control the universe we're in? <clears throat> I think that if you understand how the universe works, you can come in and out of this dimension of existence. Uh, we understand 2D. We're in 3D. We understand how 2D works. And we can jump into 2D and do whatever we want into it all the time. So just think if you are... A being that operates in those other uh, sets of dimensions, um, it would be easy for you to come here and move some stuff around. And I think that um, you know why not, right? I mean that that conversation could go on forever. Like, is it to uh, would they would they just come here like you said for kicks? Is this like a West World thing where they come here and play with all the humans and go home, or is it a set, or is it control? And if it's control then then there's something they're trying to control that we don't know that that we have that's so powerful
2: so let me um just riff on the matrix a little bit and which is i mean the, the the franchise is just steeped in gnostic symbolism and and so forth it, are the architects of this matrix could we liken them to let's say the demiurges of the gnostic tradition
0: um in code 12, or are you just saying in general the 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 idea of a matrix?
2: The idea of the, the matrix that we're living in.
0: Yeah, I don't think that you know I do I do come to some kinds of conclusions in this code 12 of of this the idea of the demigods and 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 one in particular, I don't want to spoil it, <clears throat> that has sort of cre- has sort of created this uh simulation, but Um, I think that, um, that the, the gods and the goddesses are definitely one of two things. One, they know how to come in and out. That's why they're gods and goddesses, right? That's why as as humans that don't know how it works, they're like, oh my God, wow, that's so cool. How do they do that? (laughs) Um, I don't think all of them are controlling it. I think that the, the matrix is um, tr- the, the, the franchise is really trying to explain <clears throat> how a coded structure works with a biological structure and using spiritual symbolism <clears throat> to kind of dictate that is, is, is what they're trying to do. And they're not far off.
2: You, um, you also speak with geneticists in the film. So what is the connection between our DNA and Code 12?
0: Well, this was pretty fascinating. I, this was something I just stumbled upon. Um, this is why I always think things work in mysterious ways. Um, somebody had handed me this paper that uh, this, this geneticist had had written, and on the front, had these concentric circles and uh you know all these lines coming out of it and it looked like my my dream right That this was i was like this is so weird but it's kind of like looking at the top of a dna strand in a 2d form you're like looking down on it right um and so i i started reading this and you know he goes into this paper goes into the fact that, um, that you know this this is proof there's proof now it's not just some story that people talk about where that you know somehow somebody screwed up screwed our dna up. that we have the potential for 12 12 strands of dna but we only have three they're only operating on three and um and he in the documentary he he goes into that a little bit more in detail about what that means and how it works and all that kind of stuff. But but um, but but this but this he's working in his own accord. This isn't you know my research until I I came across him. I thought, wow, you know, not only am I discovering that there's these other this other code that exists in these temples, but but we literally have have all this DNA that that has kind of, we can't use, we can't activate. And it's not just junk DNA. There's so much junk DNA we have that we don't know how to activate. But this is a certain set that is somehow turned off that we should have as uh, as humans.
2: When you're in a um, an ancient site, whether it's Stonehenge and uh, incidentally, I didn't ask you this, uh, are these concentric rings, are they present at Gobekli Tepe?
0: yes they are actually um they are um i mean the whole the whole setup of gobekli tepe is a circle <clears throat> and then there's other structures in the middle right and they come out and then you, you know Gobaki tepe is not even uncovered yet right they they they've only gotten i don't know 30% of it on uh uh you know that you can actually see they're still trying to you know s- s- uh, scrape away the dust which means there, there might be other structures that are coming out from that. And that, but that's just physical, right? Like they're creating these physical uh, structures that are circle, but there's um, <clears throat> symbolism too. And I think the symbolism has to do with how the, um, how that's controlling the structure of time and space. Oh, is that all? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, just that. That's it. <laughs>
2: Uh, I was about to ask you the um, before I got sidetracked by, with Göbekli Tepe, and that is the the concentric rings. When you're in these or near these ancient structures, assuming that they're still active, and I guess that's another whole question. Uh, I mean, is there any effect on our on our DNA?
0: Ooh, that is a really good question. Um, <clears throat> you know the 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 hard part about this conversation is that we are just now gathering technology to kind of uncover these thoughts, right? These, these hypotheses, if you will. Um, and uh, there's, there's a research study that I cannot talk about on this, on this podcast, but it will come out soon. <laughs> um, where they are studying people's effect in a trance or meditative state within places that have a structure of that is created for um, for humans to get into that space, and they have seen some dramatic changes in in DNA, which is amazing. So you have to think about it. If you're uh, if you're an ancient person or you're from Atlantis and you're highly, uh, you have this this capability of creating this um, amazing technology. Uh, then you would create these structures that could emanate a certain frequency, and then those that frequency could change the DNA. And I I mean, most people, when they go to some of these sites, they feel something, right? It's just that we are just coming to the point now where we can start to measure that. We can say, okay, people feel something, that's great. But like what happens when they spend the night in the Great Pyramid? What happens, you know, people say when they spend the night, they have, they see things and they feel different, or some people say they've been healed. Um, That is a change of the DNA. That's that's the changing of a cellular structure within the body. So I think that this conversation is going to get more more in-depth and and, and a solid answer on that. very soon because we're finally getting the technology and people are putting more resources into figuring out if that is true, because um, not because people want to know if ancient temples can heal people, but, but I think they really are on that human potential journey. So on that human potential journey, let's put some money into really seeing if something happens to somebody internally When they're in these temples or these sites or these places that people feel feel something and so physical proof i think is right around the corner
2: sounds like the subject for uh your next documentary perhaps code (laughs) Twelve part two Uh, (laughs) well you don't want to rush it because uh it's just out now code 12 and uh, again that is premiering at the uh, micon downtown cinema in eau claire wisconsin part of the midwest weird fest March 3rd to the 5th. And this particular screening is Saturday, March the 4th at 6 p.m. And you'll be there to introduce the film and uh, you'll be taking Q and A. And I know there'll be lots of questions. Melissa, great pleasure to meet you. Thank you so much for this.
0: Thank you so much for having me.
1: A new Richard Serrett's Strange Planet
0: drops every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday.